Welcome to the Plant Rich Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? This week, I want to broach a very taboo subject. So brace yourselves. (laughs) I've done this a few times on this podcast, gone into the the taboo. Um, I'm doing it again today. We'll see how it goes. This is something that came up in therapy this morning. And um, so it has me still really, really thinking about how I feel about this. And so I want to put it out there to you listeners um, for your reflection, because I feel like this is, this is a question that we're living on the cusp of collectively right now. And so to bring the conversation into consciousness can help us get really aligned with how we want to and choose to respond to this hovering question, which is the question of currency. Um, in the world today, we have elevated money as the currency of energetic exchange between humans. Um, and we've created this model, this worldview, where things have a value based on how their use um, translates to financial currency. So energy is converted to dollars in this country, U.S. dollars. So how much is that tree worth as timber? How much is that water worth by bottling it or running it through a tap? How much is that person worth based on what they possess and what skills they have? Um, We've taken a survey of the world around us and attached value as equivalent to U.S. dollars or dollars on the world market. This process has been called commodification. So we've turned everything into a commodity, which means it can be bought or sold, time, skill, resources. And so our language um, has grown to reflect this commodification. We are consumers. Time is money. What's it worth to you? Um, we have all this language centered around the, the money equals value system that we've created. And that is really coming into question now. Um, and there are a lot of brilliant thinkers who are doing work in this area of reimagining and restoring worth and value outside the constrictions of value equals dollars. But what are values truly? We have this sort of homonym at play here where we have value, meaning how much is it worth to you in US dollars and values as in like, what are your core beliefs and principles? What do you value? What are your you know, what's your mission statement? What are, what are your values? And so we understand intellectually and maybe spiritually that value is more than 
equals dollar signs, but we've constructed a world that makes it unequal. Our values, what really matters to us, do not equal what we can commodify. We value things that don't have money attached to them. And so it's time for us to recreate a world together that actually allows us to elevate what we value, whether or not that makes money, whether or not it has profit attached to it. So whether we do that by extending our, um, our ways of monetizing things like paying people to keep trees intact on their property instead of paying them for lumber, sort of subsidizing forests. Um, that's one way that people are revisioning value, paying for clean water, there, that there be some sort of subsidy for the, the, um, the quotient of how clean water is or how clean air is, taxing carbon emissions. Um, so that's one model that we can use, staying firmly in the, the values equals dollar model. We can just extend how we use our dollars to better align to our values. Um, another direction we can take is to find other measures of value that aren't just dollars and to decentralize the dollar. The way current global economic function rules every facet of our lives has put the dollar as the center of all decision making. So what would it look like to decentralize the dollar and to have other measures of equal or greater importance to the dollar? But because of the way we've built this egregore of money as this ruler of all things on earth, it becomes very difficult to survive without centralizing the dollar. If we don't make money the center of our conversation, there's this um, real chance that we won't be prioritizing our survival because so much hinges on money in the current model of life in the West. We pay for our water, we pay for our trash to be taken away, we pay for our food, we pay for childcare, we pay our taxes, we pay rent for where we live, we pay rent for our automobiles through either lease or, you know, payments to the bank who owns the car. Like we have to pay for everything that we have, which forces us to put money at the center, even if that's not truly what we value most. And so these are really huge systemic changes that we are on the cusp of making together. And it can feel impossible to make any change personally because we are so constrained by the systems we've collectively created, mostly through sleight of hand and manipulation by those who benefit from those systems. But if we can start to bring into consciousness the reality of the conundrum that we're in, then we can start to lend our creative personal power and our shamanic consciousness to creating another way, to imagining another way. What would life look like on earth if we decentralized the dollar? What would life look like on earth if we brought other voices into the rooms of power, not based on how much financial acumen they have or how many assets they hold, but instead 
who they represent, how much wisdom they represent. How do we decide collectively what it is we actually value? I think there's a very small percentage of us that actually value money as a me- as an end in itself. We value money as it equates to safety, freedom, the ability to have more power and control over our lives. This is where there's an equal sign. Money equals freedom. Money equals safety. Not money as an end to itself, although I do believe there are some people who money is the end game for them, but not most people you and I know. So what is it we truly value then? We truly value sovereignty, the ability to make our own decisions. We truly value safety, the ability to protect ourselves and our families and to have the means to do that, to afford health care, to afford good food to afford housing in safe places. Um, We really value beauty, love, connection. But at this point in history, all of those things are behind the door of money. Money is the gatekeeper. Can I afford safety? Can I afford beauty? Can I afford freedom? And so we've created these relationships that are not inherent, they are chosen. In my spiritual practice, we imagine money as an egregore, and an egregore means the spirit of a created thing. So um, an egregore is a a man-made entity that we have developed through our collective belief in that thing. So there's the egregore of Santa Claus, even though you can argue that there is a spiritual entity of you know, this um, sort of shamanic bringer of gifts that existed before we all bought into it so strongly and created the egregore of it. You know, we have the egregore of the Christian and Catholic church that people have given so much belief to and so much energy to, and it's created its own life. We have the egregore of the United States government. We have the egregore of money. We have the egregore of time. These are all things we've created, devoted ourselves to, worshipped, and made incredibly powerful. And how we approach these entities personally and collectively shifts the shape, texture, and power of those things because we have created them. So if we alter our consciousness a little bit and we imagine ourselves coming into contact with the spirit of money, We begin to understand our personal relationship with this entity that we call money. How do you imagine money as an entity? What does it look like to you? The first time I journeyed to encounter the egregore of money, I saw it as this masculine towering presence, very much like Baphomet, the goat headed um, sort of goat man with cloven hooves and powerful wings and um, holding balance. You know, Baphomet's this sort of culmination of all of the, the power of the universe, seeking balance. And that's how I saw the egregore of money, this hugely powerful entity seeking balance. 
And so as I encountered the energy of money, the entity of money, I asked, what are you asking of me? What is it that in our relationship I am responsible for? And the answer I received was diligence. So it took me some time to unpack that. What does that mean to be diligent? The Latin root of diligent means to value highly or to take pleasure in. In the English, we've t- meant diligent has meant hardworking, careful, conscientious, maybe even vigilant. So if I combined all of those things, for me in my relationship to the egregore of money, I need to be hardworking, careful, and also take pleasure in this relationship. That it should not only be a, ra- a relationship of sacrifice, but also a relationship of joy. And what would it be like for me to approach this egregore with those values in mind. I value ethics and hard work, and I value pleasure and joy. And so my relationship with the egregore of money has evolved over time. Um, And like Baphomet, who has been demonized, I think, um, literally, he's been associated with, uh, you know, the dark forces of the universe, which is not true. Money has also been demonized as a dark force in the universe when it's actually greed um, and an imbalance of this relationship of diligence and care that has led certain people who've really wanted to accumulate power to this place of not seeking balance and pleasure and hard work and care but instead seeking control and domination. And so that is not what I experienced in meeting with the spirit of money with altered consciousness. I did not seek a spirit of corruption, invalidation, oppression. I found myself in the presence of a very balanced energy that is um, not morally or ethically misaligned in and of itself, but the way that it is used, what the way this energy is harnessed and used by some people has become morally bankrupt and, and very corrupted. And as I continue to work with the energy of money, and see it as a stream of energy that weaves into the larger tapestry of energy as just one stream of energy. Then I begin to understand what is possible for us if we put this stream of energy in its place. It is not equal to life force energy. It is separate from life force energy and can augment and amplify life force energy, but they are not equal. Money is not equal to the energy of inspiration. They can, again, augment one another. Inspiration can lead to more playfulness with the energy of money. The energy of money can free us up to have more access to inspiration, but they are not the same thing. So here's another stream of energy coming in, the energy of inspiration, or in Druidry, what we call Awen, 
which is so life-giving. There's the telluric energy, which is the life force energy of the earth itself. How cohesive the ecosystem is, how alive and awake a certain place is based on the flow of telluric energy, which is not equal to money, but is influenced by money and influences the energy of money. So in a different kind of world where we would be more discerning about different forms of energy and their flow and how energies impact one another, I can imagine a much more wise relationship with the egregore of money, seeing how it impacts, augments, and in some cases detracts from these other relationships because they are inherently unequal. I think that the conversation we had a few months ago about the um, distribution of power here on the podcast using the example of the blueberry bush and the oak tree and the currency of hydrogen atoms um, is a great example of how we can reimagine the movement of energy as money or time or life force or inspiration um, to create truly healthy, sustainable systems. But at this point, we have only built our systems on one energy, and that is the energy of the dollar. And that is fallible. It is not an accurate representation of the overall health of the system or the people and places those systems are designed to serve. So just like last week, I challenged you to move into shamanic consciousness. And I did hear from some of you about that, and it has been so inspiring to hear your stories of how the earth has reached back to you through her beings to show you that your connection. This week, I would challenge you to examine your relationship with money, with the currency of the dollar or the euro or wherever you are, whatever your currency is measured in. How do you imagine the being, the entity that is the collective life force of this currency? What does it ask of you? What does it require to be in relationship with you? What would a world look like where the energy of this entity is seen for what it is, not overinflated into something that it isn't, not over-prioritized outside of other values that really matter, what might it look like to be in relationship with the egregore of money or the spirit of money in a way that is truly balanced? How, how do we use this energy to create actual safety, to actually benefit what we truly value? freedom, safety, health, love, sovereignty. Instead of it being a gatekeeper and deciding who gets to have those things and who doesn't, money in and of itself is not a gatekeeper energy. It is a balance-seeking energy. It's humans in their lust for power that have made this into a gatekeeper 
And in order to change that story, I think we need to reimagine our relationship to this currency. And as I said in the beginning of the podcast, if you're interested in this topic and you want to go more deeply into it, there are people who are doing much bigger work around this. I'm just sort of playing with it, you know, as I imagine a a world that works differently and more beautifully. Um, But Charles Eisenstein has written about this. He wrote a book called Sacred Economics, which goes into this much more deeply. Um, Lynn Twist wrote a book called The Soul of Money, and I think she has a Soul of Money Institute now where she really works on this um, really deeply with organizations and individuals. Robin Wall Kimmerer has written extensively about the gift economy and how nature shows us another way, another currency that is life-giving and and gives us a model for decentralizing the dollar. Um, All of the people I just mentioned give us new models for decentralizing the dollar. So there's just some jumping off points for you. I'm sure there are other people doing this work who I don't even know about because it's really coming into consciousness consciousness for us collectively that it's time for us to do this differently. And as Pluto moves into Aquarius um, next year to stay for a while, this is going to become a much bigger conversation. Um So I would love to hear how this exploration goes for you if you decide to travel with altered consciousness or shamanic consciousness and meet with this spirit of money. What do you find? What does that mean to you? What does it ask of you? Feel free to drop me a line anywhere you can find me and tell me how that goes for you. If you would like to support the podcast, You can find a link at plantwitchpodcast.com or you can go directly to Patreon at patreon.com slash the rebel herbalist. We welcome your financial support and we also welcome your participation in this vibrant community of humans who are working together to rejoin the web of life. The audio that you hear for the intro and outro of this podcast is the song Vikings by Alan Gray. Thank you for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining me and it's time to come back to life.